and welcome to Insurance Tomorrow, a podcast brought to you by Allianz Insurance with me, Steph McGovern. This is the series where we look at what's happening in the world and how it might impact the insurance industry. There are plenty of episodes to listen to. We cover everything from underinsurance, sustainability and open finance to the impact of supply chains. You can get all of them online if you want to listen back. In this episode, we're going to talk about the new ways of working in a post-pandemic world and what can be done to help businesses, customers and employees thrive in this environment. With me to discuss this is Julie Harrison, Chief HR Officer at Allianz and Sir Carrie Cooper, CBA, Professor of Organisational Psychology and Health at the Alliance Manchester Business School, University of Manchester. Uh, Thank you both for joining me for this. Um, before we kick off, Carrie, can you just tell us a bit about what w- your work involves and your kind of role in what we're talking about today? I'm concerned about organizational health and well-being for employees. How do we create the right kind of culture? By the way, hybrid working is only one aspect of that. And what we look at is how do we create the right kind of culture? Hybrid working, how's that working? What about the line manager? How do we do this for the millennials and the Z generation? Because those are the people we're trying to attract and retain in the work environment. Yeah, interesting, which relates directly to everything we're talking about. And and Julie, your role, pretty obvious, you know, you're an HR boss. I imagine you've had quite a crazy couple of years trying to keep track keep control and you know as well as keep all the cultural values going over the last few years of looking after your staff it has been that that. we took the organization through the pandemic and covid making sure that everyone was safe and could carry on working and then in march we crashed into the great resignation that came like a tsunami across the world also affected our business and then once that started to stabilize you've seen the cost of living crisis come at our people again like the speed of a bullet train so navigating the organization through those one after the other has definitely been quite the job uh, but it has and uh, we, we will pick up on some of those as we go so can we start then with what we've learned from it all carrie in terms of thinking about the workplace and, and our work-life balance you know when it really started the financial crisis of 2008 because that crisis lots of people lost their job and then organization particularly by the way in the finance sector because they're the first ones who did very little to do anything about health and well-being in the workplace prior to the 2008 what they did after that when it hit them and they lost 30 40 percent of their staff then what they had left they were so mean and lean they said how do we retain the people we've got because they're now key to us and how do we attract new ones so all of a sudden they started thinking about how do we create the right kind of culture here the way people are managed giving them some control and autonomy over their job letting them work more flexibly that started it and then you know just as we were ready to finish the crash in about 2015 we had a funny little thing called the b word brexit 2016 another chaotic time and then from there we went into the pandemic and cost of living so from my perspective we're bottom of the g7 on productivity per capita and 17th in the g20 on productivity per capita so how are we going to get the uk to actually motor and how are we going to save yeah. the health and well-being? And these things, in my view, all these events that happened to us have accelerated that trend. Yeah. So what, Carrie, would you say is the, the era we're in now? Really, the new way of working. How do we create the culture for the next generation? So when I talk to people in the city of London, HR directors and people like that, 
I say, why are you doing all this stuff? And they say, regrettable turnover. We can't afford to lose the people we've got, particularly the young ones. Therefore, I think we're in a new era of the changing nature of work, of which hybrid or flexible working is only one part of that puzzle. Yeah. So, uh, Julie, what does that mean then for a company like Allianz? What we've had to do is coming on the back of COVID, we've looked at what we call new ways of working. We've really co-created that with our people across the organization bearing in mind you can't avoid you still you've got customers you've got business and you've got people so it's a triangle working together if your ways of working is all centered on your people you're going to lose the customer and business aspect and the triangle has to work so it's really been about taking a co-creation approach with our people to get that designed about what's going to work for you your teams Bear in mind, we've got business and customers to serve. And in terms of that, getting commitment and buy-in, you've got to empower people to make the right decisions within their teams. And that's the approach we've taken. We've been pretty radical on that. And this year was the year that we've called the let's let it run, let's experiment, let's see how that goes. We've got key learnings coming out, low that we really now have to sit down. And we've actually been doing that for the last two days in, in an exec meeting to say, okay, what have we learned from that last year? And so what have you learned? In our recent engagement survey, over 90% of our people are saying, we absolutely love the flexibility. Don't let's lose the flexibility. On the flip side, though, we're starting to put in jeopardy what I call community spirit. And that is the one that we've got to face into in 2023. How do you allow flexibility but still create community and a sense of belonging to an organization and that one that creates stickiness, but at the same time, you don't become an organization where if someone resigns, all they do is switch off your computer screen, turn the chair to a different angle at home and start with the next company. Carrie, do you want to pick up on some of that then? Well, remember, flexibility does not mean 100% remote working. No, flexible working is not people working 100% from home. Quite the opposite. 98% of people want to go into the office to some extent. And it's not even hybrid because hybrid tends to mean two plus three or three plus two. I can't understand why companies are doing that. Companies are saying to employees, well, we expect you in three days a week. What three days? Why three days? Here, I'm a young guy and I'm working in, a, in an organization. I would say, I, I, you know, I want to be in more, four days because that's where I learn from other people. Um, that's where I kind of team build. That's where I find my partner, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So flexible means the psychological contract between the employer and the employee, or in this case, the manager and the team. And here's the problem I think we have. I'd be interested in what Julie thinks about this. My national form made up of HR directors and chief medical officers, some of the top global companies say to me, the real critical issue in this new way of working, the real problem we have is we have too few line managers who have good EQ, emotional intelligence, social interpersonal skills. So managing hybrid teams, some are gonna be in an office, some are gonna be at home. Team building with that, like you said, Julie, requires a manager who, where there's parity between their technical skills and their people skills, and we don't have enough of them. That is the big problem the UK has generally. Yeah, I guess it comes back to this idea of culture. Culture is key regardless of 
where you're working from and, and it's about having the right people to make sure that culture is working. Julie, do you want to pick up on that? Some of the things that I'm seeing that our leaders struggle with is that whole onboarding. Yeah. What does that mean? Uh, bringing someone new into the organisation. They need training, they need guidance, they need bringing on board. And do you onboard the majority when people are working at home or do you actually then make the proactive decision to bring people into the office for the first six weeks as you get them onboarded and then you move back into a more flexible model? We're having to continually play with that, about what's working, what's not working. Have we lost most of the people that we brought in because we didn't onboard correctly. It's an interesting thing, Julie, but I I think the majority of women want to come in. So, I mean, the young ones coming into the workplace, they're going to ask you in the interview, do you allow flexible working? They're all asking that question now, and you lose them if you say no. But the majority of them want to go in at the beginning, obviously, because they want to find out about their colleagues. They want to meet. They get they get experience. They learn the culture, in a sense. But, but, but that then clashes with the rest of the organization that's already in flex, yeah? Yeah. So, so that comes back again to that leader that, okay, so we're all in flex. So maybe we're coming in two days on this day to, to work on something purposeful together. But you're hearing the grad saying, but actually, I want to feel a community. I want to make some best friends at work. So you, that's one of the learnings coming out as well. But how do you keep the kind of people who've got childcare requirements and they, they want that flexibility with the younger generations coming in who are saying, I want the flexibility, but I want a bit of handholding to begin with as well? Yeah, they will have they will need that. I totally agree with you. And I think if you're a good if you're a good team leader or line manager, you know what? You're going to know that and you're going to know their needs. So a good socially skilled line manager will understand that, know when he or she has to come in and be there or other people need to be there or organize it and say, hey, Fred, you know, we've got this Janet here who's just come in. Take her out for lunch. You know, she she needs to know more about the organization, yeah. what you do. I mean, that's all about just good people skills. But aren't there a lot of relationships now which are built virtually anyway? Like, you know, that's where the dating scene's gone for lots of people before they meet up. So there, it isn't like you have to physically be with people to know what they're like. Not at all. But a lot of people learn from the side conversations as well. Yeah. The water cooler moments, as everyone calls them. The fundamental is, what is the purpose of the office now? That's something that we are having to look at, that when we bring people in, for what purpose? Just to sit at the desk and do emails and go on WebExes with other colleagues who are working from home? Yeah. Or is the purpose of the office that you really come together for a collaboration day and work through a nitty gritty problem that you're facing for your customer together? The people listening to this might be thinking, right, practically, what should I be doing then? You know, for example, if you're an insurance broker, you want to be advising your clients about what they should be doing in the workplace. Carrie, what would you be saying to them about what they should be doing? If you develop a psychological contract between the leader of that team, the manager and that team, as to who's going to come in when and do all that, given their outside demands as well. Because, by the way, the evidence pre-COVID was overwhelming, where people could work flexibly and they had a good psychological contract with their employer. They were more productive, had less sickness absence days than the good old nine to five. And I think you could work out a contract with that and figure out how to do it. And it'll be something like, 
on these kinds of days, I need everybody in. And somebody says, well, on these kinds of days, that's fine with me. I love that. But I want to spend time working at home on these kind of days because I have kids in under five and I'd like to do that. And I can take them off to their classes, but then I want to do my work and get, get the nitty gritty down without the two hour commute. So you just talk as human beings. You can come to a thing. But again, that requires a certain kind of a boss. That's our problem. Yeah. Well, Julie, what would your uh, practical advice be then for brokers talking to clients or anyone who's running a business and they're thinking about all this? My advice is that you've got to look at it in that triangle, customer, business and your people. You can't just focus on customer and forget about people and business. You can't just focus on business, and forget about the other two areas. You've got to look at it in the triangle all the time, every day. And in Alliance, we call that that's the deal. And you've got to set that norm that as you design your hybrid working model, your flexible working model, you've got to look at it from those three perspectives. Do you think now, Carrie, that the world of work has changed forever? If the pandemic would have only lasted, say, two months, probably we wouldn't have had the reset as much as we have. Think of the great resignation. Think about what people did. They started to reflect on, do I like my job? Do I like my employer? What's my relationships like? I mean, people were thinking about a whole load of things. They had time to do that. And that's why they have left. I know tons of people, even in very senior roles, who decided I've done that because I've been paid really well, but I never really enjoyed it. And I only realized that when I was working from home and had my family there and met my real friends who I talked to online virtually. I I think this is a real reset. And it's an opportunity for us because in the UK, we're not doing terribly well on productivity. And so we need a reset. And also, what's the leading cause of long-term sickness absence? 57% of all long-term sickness absence is for stress, anxiety, and depression. Yeah. It is the leading cause of ill health. Yeah. Julie, what do you think the world of work is going to look like in, say, five years' time then compared to now? In five years' time, we'll have worked out the real purpose of the office. That would have evolved massively. I think that that flexibility is there to stay. The flexibility will give companies the ability to recruit talent from parts of the UK, for example, that they would have never had access to before. The other thing I would say that companies will be focusing on is not just addressing the work-related stress. I think we'll have been much better in five years' time at looking at what's actually the cause rather than just trying to deal with the symptom. And that work is something that will be looked at over the next five years as well in great detail. Do you think, Julie, it'll change the type of people coming into the insurance industry? I'm seeing a shift there already because of the flexibility and what what does that shift look like what what give us some examples if you look at the it's huge skill sets that brokers need as well is is kind of the data analytics capabilities as we move to the future and traditionally those talents were attracted into the googles the amazons of the world and the other businesses that we you know we traditionally didn't compete with Now we have the ability through flexible working to target those talents, even if they're sitting in the outer Hebrides. And we can offer a great employer value Mm. proposition. If you can come join us, we've got some juicy topics to get involved in, but also we're not expecting you to 
be in the London office every single day, you can balance that work and life that you're looking for as well. Yeah, I'd love to ask you about three million more questions because it's such a fascinating topic that impacts so many people, but I'm uh, conscious of time. So can I just get each of you to give me a, a summary really of what you want people to take away when they're thinking about a change in the world of work? What is it that the key message you want to get across, Carrie? I think the key message I want to get across is rather than just mouth the traditional thing you get from HR and from senior managers, the most valuable resource we have is our human resource. Let's do something about it. Let's get the right kind of people in managerial roles. Let's have good quality of working life. Let's give people autonomy and control and flexibility. You do that, you're going to treat them like treat them like it was your own kid. I think about that all the time when I'm ready to say something nasty to somebody and I'm in a leadership role. I stop myself and think, what if my daughter's boss said that to her? That's a really good way of thinking of it. If we thought about that more often and were a bit kinder and listened more, I think we would do much better than we currently are doing. Yeah. Julie, what's your final thought? I would say as we keep moving forwards, we've got to keep doing it in co-creation with our people. Okay, okay, that is a good point to end it on. Thanks for co-creating this podcast with me as well this afternoon. Uh, thanks there to Julie Harrison from Alliance and Professor Sir Carrie Cooper from the University of Manchester. Please do subscribe to the series through your podcast app and then you'll never miss an episode. Also, we'd love it if you left a review for us as well. Uh, thanks so much for listening. That's a bit from me, Steph McGovern and Alliance Insurance. Goodbye. Oh, 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 oh,